This is Doug Henthorne with Healing Sixes, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hey, hey, it's Raleigh from the Gugadals, and this is Iron City Rock's Pastime. Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, and heavy metal music scene. In episode 70, we took a uh, fairly hard and long look at uh, a lot of metal in the region. Some shows coming to town, some bands from the area, and I promised if you weren't into metal that I'd have something for the rest of us. And this time, I hope we deliver. We're going to be featuring two interviews uh, in this episode, a uh, band, a um, lesser-known band called Healing Sixes, who will be coming into Pittsburgh on October 22nd to play the Hard Rock Cafe. Kind of a blues rock band, remind me quite a bit of uh, Government Mule. And then one of my personal favorites, Robbie Takek from the Goo Goo Dolls, will be joining us. The Goo Goo Dolls will be playing in Latrobe out on Saturday, October 23rd. So I uh, wanted to catch up with them and see what was going on. They've got a new album aptly titled Something for the Rest of Us. So a little play on words there. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to get into a song from Healing Sixes again. They will be coming into Pittsburgh on the 22nd. This is a song called Grass and Gasoline. And then we'll get into the interview.
We have on the line today Doug Henthorn, the lead vocalist and guitarist from the band Healing Sixes. How are you doing today, Doug? Good. How are you? Great, great. Good. I know you're coming to our town on October 22nd to the Hard Rock, and uh, we're looking forward to, to seeing you there. As are we. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. going to be there with uh, with Steepwater Band out of Chicago, another great band. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be really good. Now, uh, let's talk about your band. Um, for those who aren't familiar, uh, what, what's... Uh, how did Healing Sixes come to be? How was it founded and uh, that sort of thing? Well, it started about a little over 10 years ago. Um, I was in a band prior to that. Um, it was kind of the, the, the universal pipe dream kind of band situation. We were we got a deal with Columbia Records and um, you know got you know flew us out to LA and recorded an album and all this stuff. And 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 as the, the usual story goes. It, you know, it, it all fell apart and, and turned to crap. And uh, <laughs> and so I came I came back home, you know, a little bummed out, and and then started this project. So it's kind of a kind of a healing project, um, and the, the whole six string six pack kind of mentality came into play. So that's where Healing Sixes came from. But uh, oh, okay, about ten, yeah, about ten years ago, put put it together and. Um, Recorded a CD here in Indy, went out to to promote it like like everybody does, and um, ended up opening up for uh, Jason Bonham's band at the time. Out on did a few dates out on the East Coast and around the Midwest, and and then he uh, he really dug the band and, and joined and played drums for us for four years, and and um, since that time he's he's gotten busy and and we've gotten busy and and he's moved on to other projects and and we've moved ahead with our original drummer actually and. Things are really good now, and things are still really good with Jason as well. I still go hang out with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's there. That's like the nutshell of the band, like in in a very short period of time. But but that's that's uh, how it started ten years ago out of a defunct band that I was involved with that kind of fell apart. Okay, how do you come across your unique sound? I mean, you you definitely don't sound like really very many other people or really I don't think anybody else. Well, thanks, man. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't guess I don't feel like we're really doing anything, you know, uh, extraordinarily weird or different, but um I guess it kind of we, we kind of do our own thing insofar as we we're all big big fans of what I call the golden age of rock music, which is like the 70s, you know, and and uh um, bands like Zeppelin and The Who and The Beatles and, and the, you know, all the great bands. Um, and we're, we're huge fans of that and that whole era. And not so much, I'm not trying to say that we're a, a retro band or anything like that, but it, the the mindset that we kind of have for the whole project kind of is the, what we always felt was the great thing about that era was all the all of what we considered great bands back then didn't really they weren't really put in one niche i mean they were rock bands you know of the day but you know the great thing about zeppelin and the stones and the beatles and all these these bands was you'd have a great rock tune and then you'd have a straight up blues tune and then you'd have a funk tune and then they'd play a country song you know and it and it's like it was great because you never got sick of them, or at least I never got sick of them, because it was always, it wasn't like the same song over and over and over again, which I think is the problem with music today, with a lot of bands. It's like, 
there's there's this one good song and then you buy the CD and like every other song on the CD is the just a, a duplicate of that one song only half as good. You know? Right, exactly. They they wouldn't they wouldn't have been a they're not a hit because they're not good. <laughs> right, yeah. And then so so we're we're kind of a diverse stylistically speaking, I think. And, and I which I think is cool. Yes. I I like it because we all we all can feel good about it. It also makes it difficult for us because it's hard for people to categorize us, I guess, which I don't know. I I kind of like that, you know, but it probably doesn't help us from a marketing standpoint, <laughs> unfortunately. So. Right. Yeah, I I find that most of my favorite bands are ones that are hard to uh, categorize. Yeah. Good. That's always the beauty of it. So, um, yeah. Now, with um, you want to talk a little bit about your your gear and uh, what what you what you like to play and how you like to play. Yeah. Well, I'm there's I play guitar and and Eric plays guitar as well. Eric Sailors and um, my Eric has a great. I love Eric's rig, and he's got some great guitars. He he's got an old '74 um, Gibson Deluxe that he plays. It's just super sweet, and uh, he's that's his main axe. And he plays um, as far as his rig goes. It's he usually plays through an old. I think it's a '65 Super Blackface Super, which just screams. It sounds great, and uh, that's what we did for. This past recording, for the most part, for Eric, my my rig is a little more quirky. I like I'm a kind of a Valco guy. Um, I've got a couple of old what's called custom craft amps that were made by Valco, and they're essentially like the Supro Thunderbolts. Um, and that's that's for the most part what I use that, and then I've got an old 7350 watt head that I that I like as well. Mm-hmm. And then I my uh, my main guitar I play is a uh, uh, it's a '95 um, Jimmy Page signature series. You remember the the first run of this, the Les Paul signature series that Jimmy Page had back in the mid '90s. I got yes. one of those that I really love, and that's kind of my main axe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, um, of course we have, of course we have lots of guitars, but those are the main ones we use and the main amps we use. I think for the most part, mm-hmm. um, they seem to work well. They blend well together. The 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 Valcos and the and the the Super and and the Marshall. I mean, you can't go wrong with a you know an old Fender or an old Marshall amp. I think. So. Sure, sure, absolutely. Now um, we can talk a little bit about your discography. I, I know there's um, three albums that have been that have been out for uh, for some time, and then uh, there's now the the album you're touring with, the Blue Jay album. And uh, yeah. if you'd like to just talk a little bit about uh, you know what's your favorite album that you've done and. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about the current album and maybe how it differs from the uh, the other albums. Yeah, well, um, you know, the first album we did, we did ourselves, and it was long, you know, it was 10 years ago. Um, um, and it's got some interesting stuff. It's it's very revealing as to where we were trying to figure out what we were exactly. Um, now, the second album we did was a normal sound um, that was produced by Kevin Shirley. He, um, he's produced all I think almost all of Joe Bonamassa's stuff and the Black Crows and he did you know, was involved with with the Zeppelin thing and um some big names and he did the second album, Enormous Sound, when Jason played drums for us. And that that's a really good album too. And I, I um once again I think we I think it was a challenge for Kevin to try and find a a way to to produce the album to make it to fit into a niche, I think. You know, I don't know. I don't know that he consciously did that, but I know that was probably 
if if there was anything to bother me about that album, I guess that would be it. That it's 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 doesn't really have the depth as uh, of the of this past one, I think, or even the one after that. Um, but it's I love it. I still love the Normal Sound album, and um, and then we did one less friend to ignore was the CD after that that we did um, after Jason went off and we went off and did our own thing. Um, when we got way back in the band and, and I really still love that one because it's, we really kind of just embraced the whole, you know, we're, we're not going to try to appease to the masses, you know, um, we're, we're going to write stuff that we like and that we're going to, that we think that, you know, 15, 20 years from now, we're going to be able to listen to and go, wow, I like this. This is a good record. You know, I'm not embarrassed by it. And, and, it, and it's, you know, we were, it's nothing that I'm going to listen to and go, wow, we we were obviously chasing our tail there or anything like that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And and then I think the last album, One Less Friend to Ignore, was a good, we got such a positive response from that that it really kind of emboldened us to do Blue Jay the way we did it, which was just in a hurry. I mean, not and not in a hurry like we didn't care about it. It was just, we were, we kind of put ourselves really under the gun to do it quickly, to do it off the cuff, to do it, um, you know, spontaneously. To about the, yeah, spontaneously. Yeah. And, and, um, we, you know, we really track, re- wrote, recorded everything, the whole Blue Jay album and, you know, like really realistically like a month. So, Everything is really raw, really spontaneous, and and uh, it was it was hard for me, it was hard for me to uh, to just let it go, like because there's a lot. Of course, you, every time you listen to any recording, you know how it is. You would just kind of, oh, I could have done that better. Or, I wish we would have worked on that more. Um, but it was a great exercise for me to not needle it to death, you know, and um, and I think it really helps to keep that freshness and that raw and organic kind of thing and and uh and it's just i really my you know the, my favorite one so far is the newest one blue jay because i think it's we finally kind of come into our own and, and embraced what we are for you know more than we ever have before oh yeah blue jay it's it's a good one we've got a you know we've got this kind of bluegrass acoustic tune off the top which is you know kind of a left kind of a curveball for a lot of people who really enjoyed our harder stuff and but then we go right into you know fine time that we had Joe Bonamassa play guitar on um and it's you know just he burns it up of course it's crazy. yeah uh, um, that does sound good yeah yeah but, I have had a chance really to spin answer. through yeah yeah very 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 good album very listenable album and uh yeah. it was it was definitely a joy to listen to it now the current tour that you're on, how uh, how's that all going for you? I see there's there's a lot a lot of dates. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going fine. I mean, and, you know, we're a little ragged, but uh, that's how it is. You know, that's what you do. And I think we yeah, we're going to um, Grand Rapids this weekend, and and then uh, ultimately out to out to Pittsburgh, which we're really looking forward to. It should be good. It should be mm-hmm. a good show. A lot of fun. And we played um, played Pittsburgh years ago, um, and. It's been so many years ago. I'm trying to remember when it was, but uh, I believe it was the Hard Rock then too, and it was a great time. So we're really looking forward to getting back to Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, it looks like the tour is going to be kind of a bit, a bit grueling up through the holidays, and then, you know, then we'll have some time off to to recoup. Sure. 
definitely. Um, what other projects do you possibly uh, have in have in the works? Well, um, I, I'm always kind of like occasionally, uh, you know, it's nothing I really ever plan for. I, I do these little things from time to time, like uh, um, with Jason. Like I did a kind of a, a guest singing show with him, or a couple of them out in L.A. a few months back. Um, he's kind of put together kind of a, a Bonham tribute kind of little tour and, and had me come out and sing a handful of tunes. We did a Healing Sixes tune and did an old Robert Plant solo album tune and, and uh um that was that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to get to hang with Jason again and kinda of to play and, and do that. Um, you know, and I've I've done a guest vocal spot on one of Joe Bonamassa's albums, sang um T for one on his You and Me album. Oh yeah. Which um which really got I think a lot of people received very well. I was a little it was really gracious of Joe and Kevin the producer to to bring me in to do the guest vocalist thing, you know, because Joe's a great singer, and uh, but they really wanted to get me in to sing T for One, and and that was cool. Jason played drums on that as well, and um, so I end up doing those kind of things from time to time, which is really fun. You know, it's fun and it's it's uh, it keeps my head kind of open. It keeps I like the headspace it puts me in when I when I get to go and do just the guest vocalist thing or, or even guitar things from time to time, you know? Sure. And so and you never, I never know when those are going to pop up and they, I've got, it's, I've been, there've been inklings of other things going on that I, I don't really know. I don't even have enough details about it to even like elaborate on it at this point, but it's something could happen again, you know, some kind of side project, side, side man, fill in thing. Who knows? You never know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't didn't the uh, T for One rendition uh, receive some sort of an award in the UK? Yeah, I got. Um, they had some kind of best, you know, cover best covers of all time, uh, best remakes, you know, whatever. Um, and I think it made fourteen or something, which is really cool. You know, I mean, yeah, that's that's, that's, that's people really like that that uh version of, of T for one, you know, and I and yeah, Kevin and Kevin the producer and Joe of course did a great job with that and and um and I and I was you know, it's like you know, come on, stepping into well for Joe to step into Jimmy Page's shoes to play his tune and, and for me to step in to try and step into Robert Plant's shoes is a little bit intimidating to say the least, you know. But at least it is for me. I don't know how Joe feels about it, but you know, you have to kind of you know, do it your do it your own way, and that's hard to do when you're such a huge fan of of Zeppelin, of Robert Plant, of Jimmy Page, of all those guys. You know, so um, Kevin did a great job of kind of getting me to do my own thing on that on T for One, and uh, um, and I think for the most part, I think people really really dig it. You know. Yeah, uh, for those who aren't familiar, um, and I would count myself among them, where where can we find uh, where where can we listen to that rendition? What what album is it found on, or how can we get it? Um, T for one, it, it's um, on Joe's "You and Me" uh, release, which I think is a couple, two or three years ago. Maybe I, mean, I think it was three years ago. "You and Me" is the uh, title of the CD that T for one is on, and of course the original T for one Zeppelin was on Presence, which is great album oh yeah definitely one of the lesser known albums but an awesome yeah. album nonetheless yeah yeah 
Sure. Well, Doug, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. It was a great interview, and I uh, really enjoyed uh, talking to you. It was very interesting. Thank and, you, Eric. Uh, we uh, look forward to seeing you in Pittsburgh on October 22nd at the Hard Rock. I'm looking forward to it as well. I'll thanks. look okay. forward to seeing you guys. Yes, yes, thanks. All right, my thanks goes out there for a great interview with Doug from Healing Sixes. Again, they'll be coming into Pittsburgh Friday, October 22nd, to play the Hard Rock Cafe as a guest of the Steepwater Band. Also on the bill that night, Bailey Park. You can get inf- uh, information at DrewskiEntertainment.com or go to Ticketmaster for tickets. And then if that wasn't enough, the very next night out in Latrobe at the... Uh, Kearney Center at St. Vincent College. The Goo Goo Dolls will be coming into town. The Goo Goo Dolls have run up a series of multi-platinum and gold albums over the last decade and a half. They'll be coming with a band called The Spill Canvas. Uh, We're going to play a little sample of a song from their newest album, Something for the Rest of Us. This is just a little bit of a song called Home. We're going to get an interview with Robbie. Great pleasure. I welcome from the Goo Goo Dolls, Robbie Kekic. How are you doing today, Robbie? Uh, doing good, man. And uh, we're just starting up uh, our, our third leg of our uh, Let Love In tour. So, been busy. Yeah, very busy. Let Love In. Oh, my God. Sorry. Sorry, wrong record. Something for the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> it's all going to be a blur. <laughs> um, I wanted, wanted to uh, actually kind of touch base because you're kind of the... Uh, the Maybe the lesser known of the uh, of the band. I wanted to kind of delve into kind of your background and some of the great work that you've done over the years. You you to me kind of come from a punk influence, maybe more than a than a rock influence. Is that a fair statement in your mind, or, or what were your influences when you were kind of growing up? Well, I think the band when our band started, you know, we were pretty much a you know, for better lack of a term, I guess, a punk rock band. You know, uh, our first couple records, I was I was pretty much the lead singer uh, just because, you know, we were still learning how to be a band, still learning how to grow, still finding our footing. And uh, John started singing a little bit more, and, you know, uh, we started growing as a group. And, you know, as we grew, uh, you know, we were real careful to let ourselves be able to move on and do new things. And so we now are one of those bands that, you know, are for, and one of those few bands who are fortunate enough to actually have a 25-year career to look yeah. back on and see the deve- and to see the development that happens over that time. A lot of bands don't get that kind of chance to see that sort of thing. So you know, I feel pretty fortunate about that. Yeah, you guys have got to be coming right up on about 25 years or so now, which is phenomenal. Um Growing yeah, up, as a as a bass player, did you? I mean, obviously you're from Buffalo, and and there's some greats from Buffalo, namely Billy Sheehan. I mean, uh, how did you, how did you get drawn to playing the bass? Uh, yeah, I guess when I was a kid, uh, it was the easiest way to get in the band. You know, nobody yeah. played bass. Uh, you know, my I had a friend a couple of doors down who needed a bass player, and. Uh, uh, he ended up giving me a bass when I was a kid. 
I've just been sort of doing it since then. Excellent. And you guys were with um, Metal Blade, obviously, for a few years, and that maybe didn't end so well. But um, were you guys as caught off guard by the success of, of Name in particular, the single, as, as kind of the rest of the world was? Or was that, um, did you guys hear that and go, wow, this is kind of a gem? Well, we, we, you know, we had always been a band that, you know, like we loved the replacements. We wanted to be the replacements when we started, you know, in 86. <laughs> we heard the first couple of records and we were like, this is like what we want to do. And so, you know, our band largely came together because of bands like the replacements. And I think uh, the one difference between the replacements and what people envisioned as punk rock, you know, was... Punk rock sort of got this label as being this music that was like, you know, and the punk rock we grew up on, you know, the punk rock that we grew up on wasn't really like that. You know, uh, it went all over. Blondie was as much punk rock, you know, as as uh, Fugazi was to me, you know. Um, so it was sort of a different school. So as we were writing songs, you know, that were in your face and, you know, on 10 all the time, you know, there were still songs in our record that were quiet and, you know, acoustic because that's what all the bands that we loved did. So I think, you know, we had another song prior to uh, Name called We Are the Normal that we wrote with Paul Westerberg from The Replacements and came out on our record. And it got and it got a minimal amount of play, but, you know, it sort of hit the few people to that we did that sort of thing. So I think when we came around again with Name, I don't think we were that surprised that we had an acoustic song out there like that. I don't think radio was so surprised because we had already hit them with something. But, you know, when something happens like that and a song gets that big, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of things that surround that and and, and happen around that song that are so coincidental. You know, it happened again with Iris, you know, like you know, all the stars line up and, you know, the song just shoots through the roof. And, you know, it's wild to watch happen. Uh, You know, but I do think that, you know, now I think people are a little bit more knowledgeable about what kind of band we are, you know. And I think, (laughs) I like to say, like, we, we, uh, you know, we used to paste, like, secretaries against the back wall, you know, when they first walked out. Like, I don't think people are that surprised by that anymore. They know we're a rock band now. So, you know, I think we've jumped over that hurdle. Yeah, we've jumped over that hurdle, but that was a big hurdle to get over, that's for sure. Yeah, and you guys funded that pretty well with On Dizzy Up the Girl and and some of the other albums in that area. I still had some some very rocking songs with Long Way Down in amongst some brilliant acoustic pieces. So it was, a, it was a nice blend. Um, obviously, you you mentioned Iris with the Grammy nominations and things like that. Um, I personally uh, considered maybe one of your best albums, Gutterflower. I, I really think that was a phenomenal record. Um, one of the other questions I had for you, I, I have a copy of the DVD, The Music in High Places, where you guys actually played in Alaska. What was that experience like? I mean, was that how, how did you get involved in that? Uh, we originally were going to do this VH1 show in Cuba, and it was all set to go. Uh, we were ready to, you know, we had everything all set. We were going to go play around Cuba, and then at the last minute, they denied the uh, 
paperwork for it for some reason. So they had to find somewhere to go real fast. And, of course, it's the United States. So, uh, you know, uh, Alaska is in the United States. So we so we went to Alaska. And it, we were sort of doing it by the seat of our pants, literally at points. Uh, you know, they were lowering us out of helicopters. And, you know, we were just jumping in rivers with kids. And, I mean, it was really crazy, man. And uh, probably an experience that, you know, most human beings will never get to have, you know, floating around on an iceberg, you know, yeah. so they boat us out to it, you know, and playing music, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's just crazy, you know, I mean, you know, like, we got to hang out with, with uh, some of the Eskimo folks up there, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was crazy, man, you know, they brought us in and, you know, put on a show for us, and they were feeding us all sort of, you know, on their local uh, foods, and, and, uh, you know, keeping us on, on, on their local traditions and, you know, really accepted us, you know, you know, into their community because, you know, you know, got a lot of folks up there, man. And uh, so, yeah, it was great. It was awesome. And uh, I think it was really well done. And I think it sounds really good. You know? Yeah, it does. It really blows me away every time I see it. Yeah, I mean, I can still in my mind picture the three of you kind of standing on those little chunks of ice floating in the water and I'm it's great imagery. Man. Yeah, crazy. Um, so crazy. Like when I watched it, I, I can't barely believe it. <laughs> yeah, and obviously you guys had um, another DVD, that huge uh, thing you guys put on in Buffalo on the Fourth of July. And how, is, would you consider that maybe the high point of, of your career thus far? That that kind of homecoming show you guys did in Buffalo. Um, yeah, that was fun. You know, I don't know, man. There's been so many high points. You know, I mean, I don't even know what to, I don't even know where to begin. You know, uh, yeah, personal high points. You know, uh, uh, you know, just I don't know. It's every day. It's something new. You know, I I played the closing of the arena. I saw the who in. You know, I saw the opening. Or you know, I played the, uh, uh, you know, the opening of the new arena. You know, in Buffalo. You know, that was a big moment. You know, like you know. I remember my grandmother watched me play at the old place. You know, that was a huge moment in my life. You know, like, you know, just like things like that. You know, uh, yeah, playing the Olympics. You know, uh, you know, but yeah. Just uh, there's so many moments, and and uh, but you know that just comes with you know keeping your head down and you know doing a good job every time you get a <laughs> you get a task put ahead of you. Like I said, sure. Um, I, I know Johnny likes to experiment with. Uh, different tunings on guitar. Do you kind of have to match those tunings on the bass, or do you kind of play in standard tuning? No, I play in a lot of different tunings as well, actually. You know, it's funny, being a three-piece was sort of what drove a lot of that stuff at the beginning. You know, uh, now we have a keyboard player and a guitar player that travel with us pretty pretty, uh, regularly, but, um, you know, in the old days, we would have to make up for things, so... It, it, it's not rare that if we're playing a song in D, that my bass is tuned to D. Or if we're playing a song in G, my bass is tuned to G. So I can use the open string, you know, or I can find mm-hmm. sympathetic, you know, strings to play between. So, you know, we we we're not the best players in the world, but you know, I think we find really interesting ways to kind of make our way around uh, uh, well, those things, you know, and try to represent the song in interesting kinds of ways. Yeah, that that may say a lot about I think the success of your band though is that maybe you're not 
uh, you know, when you're saying you're not the best players in the world, but you guys might be up there as some of the best songwriters, and at the end of the day, you know, that's what it's about. Um, the new album, yeah. I think, for the rest, the, the rest of us, I mean, uh, there was a decent gap between Let Love In, um, and obviously you you had a, a million other things going on, which I'll touch on in a minute, but um, did you guys kind of work in, in that period of time, or did you guys just kind of do a little, take a break from it for a little while? Well, we toured for two years, and then we took a year to write, and then a year to record, basically. You know, I mean, there was a little bit of time off here and there, but for the most part, we were working solidly, you know, through the entire process. Um, we worked between Buffalo and uh, L.A. on this record, so it was nice to be able to have that uh, sort of bi-coastal feeling, you know, on this record. You know, we tend to write in Buffalo a lot. John comes to Buffalo. I just actually moved back there a couple of years ago. After we opened our studio there, we sort of I sort of based my my label out of there and stuff like that. So, so your your um, studio you mentioned uh, GCR is that um, is that something you bought or you you did you build that uh, yourself? How did that come to be? Johnny and I, yeah, Johnny and I built the studio to. To, uh, that's the old studio that we that I was an intern at when I was a kid. We did all our early records there. And so John and I went back, and when we decided to work in Buffalo, we decided to rebuild that building. And when we finished the record, uh, you, know, the, you know, we were trying to figure out what to do, and John kind of decided that he didn't like to be in the studio business. <laughs> it's like owning a boat, you know? Yeah. Uh, you're in it because you want to be in it. Yeah, you know? And so... Uh, so, but I've been in the studio business for the past 10 years. So, uh, yeah, so I bought him out of the business. And, you know, but it's always there. And, you know, I don't know we'll talk about what we're going to do for the next one. Obviously, you know, it's there if, if that's what we decide to do. But right now we're open to the public and doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, had a bunch of bands coming through and uh, a bunch of great projects. So, yeah, it's doing well. Keep you busy. Um, can you just talk a little bit or describe what the music is art uh charity that you work with is? Yeah, it's just, it's, that's an organization that I work with in Buffalo uh, that uh, is an advocate of the arts and education and the arts and community in uh, Buffalo, New York. And we run a whole bunch of programming that you can check out at musicisart.org. Many, many programs do need to kind of go into right now. But also, we have a big festival that we run every year that we just had on September 11th and had about 70 local acts at it, artists and uh, magicians and uh, DJs and uh, kids section and all sorts of crazy stuff going on. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And the musicgoodart.org and helps out Western New York, you know, where we're from. And finally, the, probably one of the more interesting things, um, you actually ended up being on the board of trustees at your alma mater. Uh, it was kind of interesting looking at that. There's a lot of vice presidents of this and CEOs of that, and then you're down there. What what is a what is that experience like? Is that kind of a bittersweet uh, being on that list? Or uh, no, I think it's uh, you know I, I I graduated from that school, and and you know there's some really good things that happened in that building, and, and uh, so you know my goal when I. Uh, Decided to accept that position for a term. I, I 
wanted to let them know the things that I thought, you know, were valuable to me while I was there. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I do, I do a lot within the community in Buffalo, and, uh, you know, I thought that to be able to bring them into some of the outreach, you know, they're helping us out with some music with our programming next year, you know. I thought that, you know, it would be a really beneficial relationship, and, uh, and uh, yeah, and there's, you know, they're nice folks, and they do some good things, too, so... So uh, yeah, I, I consider it an honor, and uh, yeah, so yeah, unlikely place for me to be, but but uh, but kind of exciting at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you certainly, um, you guys have done uh, a lot of great work for the, the city of Buffalo, and I'm also proud to have you guys uh, calling that home. Robbie, I want to thank you for taking the time uh, out of your busy day to uh, talk to us. You're going to be coming into Latrobe, PA, uh, to a show here in a couple of weeks, and look forward to seeing you there, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's great talking to you, and uh, we'll see you in PA. All right, from something for the rest of us from the Goo Goo Dolls, that was called Now I'm Here, uh, lead vocals by Robic Takik. Um, again, October 23rd, St. Vincent College. Uh, tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. If you like the show, you can find out more information about us at www.ironcityrocks.com. We have, oh, and if you'd like links to either of the bands on today's show, you can visit the podcast link on our website. Take care. <laughs>